Hello and welcome to the show where we're talking about our health, where we're talking about looking good and feeling good, living longer and stronger. Welcome to the Health and Sexy Show. This is a show meant for men and women of all ages who want to be healthier and happier and men and women of all ages who want to learn more about health and fitness to remain beautiful, to remain independent, and enjoy life to its fullest. Welcome to our 18th episode. Again, if you are listening to this show and your goals include improving your health and well-being, looking and feeling super hot and sexy, visit these websites, carewellweightandwellness.com, that's all one word, K-A-I-R-W-E-L-L, and grindanytime.com and get the coaching, get the nutritional counseling, and get the medical weight loss and wellness assistance that you need. As always, if you have questions, suggestions, or would like to hear more on a particular topic, direct message me on Instagram at SeanFit50. That's S-E-A-N-F-I-T-5-0. In the two previous episodes, I discussed using mindfulness and mindful eating to avoid the quote-unquote autopilot mode and mindless eating that can result in excess caloric intake, weight gain, and ensuing health problems by truly paying attention to when we eat, what and how much we eat, and when to stop eating, we overeat less often and consume non-nutritious food and drink less often. On a side note, I've been looking at this TV show with Chronicles the Lives, unfortunately, of super obese men and women who are trying to qualify for weight loss surgery. And you may know the show I'm talking about and have watched it and follow it yourselves. Um, but this surgery, they're working to get it because it is life-saving, not just life-changing for them because of their weight. I feel quite empathetic for the people, but some of us don't as we look um, at obesity as a condition that is preventable that a person brings upon themselves. So what if I told you that obesity in particular, morbid and super obesity are evolutionary perfection. The conditions under which the evolution started no longer exist. So what would have been an advantage is now a distinct disadvantage. The thrifty and drifty gene hypotheses, I've talked about these, they've been mentioned, they give us insight into our biology and how it is it has contributed to the obesity epidemic that exists today. The therapy gene hypothesis describes our ability to robust, robustly store calories as an evolutionary advantage in our early days when plagues and famines and droughts resulted in scarcity of food. So people who were able to store energy most efficiently, they survived these calamities and passed the beneficial genes on to future generations. In this episode, our 18th episode, I want to look a little closer at this thrifty gene hypothesis and how our environment has contributed to weight gain in what may be classified as the origin story for obesity. Dun, 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 dun. The prevalence of obesity in America has skyrocketed from around 13% in 1980 to over 42% in 2018, uh, more than 300% increase. 
This market rise in weight may be due to as little as a 100 calorie calorie excess over time, meaning an excess of 100 calories per day over a number of years. Obviously, for the more obese people, that caloric excess is going to be a little bit larger, but it averages out to about 100 calories more than you burn in a day that you consume over time. It's led to our obesity epidemic. Income equality has increased along with obesity. And unfortunately, for those who earn less, the cheapest foods contain the most fat and sugar. And the best way to get the most calories with the least money ends up being a high calorie or a calorie dense diet that has lots of these ingredients. And the end result is that those who have the least have the greatest potential for obesity. We didn't always have to worry about our weight or being obese. Uh, we developed to work best, or our bodies developed to work best in an environment where high levels of physical activity were necessary in order to secure food, to secure shelter, as well as transportation, and one in which food is not consistently available. There are not many opportunities to splurge on calorie-dense goodies like sweets and fats. Because of this and these conditions, our hunter-gatherer ancestors were short, they were thin, and lived primarily on fruits, vegetables, roots, and small amounts of meat and fish. Also, parasitic infections um, or worms in the tubes were also quite prominent and may have played a significant role as they caused malabsorption of, or poor, poor absorption of nutrients as well as calories. Obesity, in its essence, likely began about 12,000 years ago with the advent of agriculture. This led to the first food surpluses and sedentary lifestyle because now everyone didn't have to work to secure food, only a small population, the farmers, the livestock workers, they provided the food and the protein, and now people had leisure time to sit around and do nothing, which is our kind of evolutionary set point. Our previous environment that was plagued by few food shortage now longer no longer existed and the need to expend lots of energy was gradually replaced. And because foods were now abundant, cheap, and they were served in large portions. These are the main drivers of our obesity epidemic today. Let me repeat them. Increased energy availability or the presence of inexpensive, convenient, highly processed foods that are marketed intensely and are high in fat, salt, sugar, and flavorings. Continuous access to food resulting in more snacking and convenience foods. More eating in restaurants, less time preparing and eating meals at home. Also, increased exertion is no longer required to secure food, shelter, and transportation and fewer jobs require at least moderate exertion. To top it off, <laughs> we eat a lot more meat and it is a lot higher in fat to improve taste. Um, portion sizes of everything we eat are larger and we are eating more fast food. So what was the inspiration for inexpensive, convenient, processed foods that are ubiquitous today? Well, processed foods, they have their own origin story as well that was driven by war and feeding millions of soldiers. 
the initial inspiration for developing time insensitive foods or foods that didn't spoil for a long period of time was feeding soldiers doing, during World War II as fresh and ripe um, was the enemy of wartime provisioning. We needed time insensitive foods, foods that lasted a long time without spoiling. Executives and leaders from the military and civilian food markets teamed up. They worked closely together to ensure that time and sensitivity became the key feature in standardized foods. The food prepared for soldiers also had to be calorie dense. We were uh, the leaders at that time were looking to uh, minimize space needed for transport and storage and they had to taste good so soldiers and sailors would eat the foods and avoid malnutrition. After extensive trial and error, processed foods were perfected. Again, this is around the time of World War II. Other factors contributed to the seismic shift or to increase production and consumption of processed foods. This included um, huge subsidies. The government would, would pay extra money for those who were growing wheat um, who were going, I'm sorry, corn and soybeans, and these were used as the inputs. Uh, can you say high fructose corn syrup? This created an opportunity for retailers to earn more money. We're a capitalistic society, We've got to earn more money. So processed foods became a value added type of business. High amounts of salt, sugar, fat, and flavor additives made these foods highly palatable, which also drove increased consumption. So what was the situation on the ground? How did we get our food? How did our food system work before World War II? Well, it was largely localized. You had locals, farmer markets where people brought in their produce, their, their meat, their livestock to be sold to you know, you know, people in a particular region. And these localized markets existed everywhere. Globalization has since changed this. And it has changed this by emphasizing quantity over quality. Uh, believe it or not, it's easier and cheaper for our industrialized food system to send food around the world instead of localized to be processed and distributed um, than it is to sell it again in local food markets as fresh food. How so? Because there are lower labor costs, because the process is highly mechanized, um, spoilage is low, and refrigeration and transportation costs are reduced. As the nature and composition of our foods have changed, so has the ability of our body's physiology to oppose positive energy balance or caloric excess. The environment that we now live in is facilitating obesity as well. Our bodies continue to tell us to eat whenever food is available and rest whenever activity is not required. Unfortunately, with processed foods and widespread adoption of multiple technological innovations, we have succeeded in making it much easier to overeat and under-exercise. A healthy weight can no longer be left to our biology, but requires cognitive effort, a conscious effort to eat less and be more physically active. Willpower alone is not enough to overcome this. So the origin of our obesity epidemic is our biology again, which is no longer able to oppose caloric excess on its own. And our environment is the second portion of that equation. And, and only, one can be, uh, only one of these can be changed in the short term. Our biology or the processes going on inside of our bodies is, is insufficient to solve our weight problem. 
Our innate ability to more efficiently deal with caloric excess falls woefully short. It's our environment or what's going on around us that will be most important in determining the change we need. We divide this environment into our food environment and our physical environment or our physical activity environment and they both must be recognized and addressed. Factors in our food environment that promote overeating have been discussed. I'll reiterate them. Cheap food that's high in fat and sugar and aggressive marketing of these foods. Factors in our physical environment that promote inactivity include less physical exertion being required in the workplace, reduction in physical education in schools, and car-dependent designs of our neighborhoods and communities. So solving our obesity crisis, our obesity epidemic starts with addressing our food and physical activity environment. So keep this in mind and, and we'll talk more about this. Important aspects such as making healthy food more affordable and maximizing access and designing our workplaces, neighborhoods, and communities in ways that promote physical activity will go a long way towards solving our crisis. <laughs> that was a, that's a lot. So now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Damn, he is healthy. I'm talking about the Hawaii-born, the South Side Chicago influence lawyer and politician. He is responsible for what is probably the most important health-related legislation signed into law in over 50 years that is often referred to informally by his namesake. Y'all already know who I'm talking about. He is the only president born outside of the 48 contiguous states. He is very athletic and often seen playing basketball. There's a rapper who says he owes him a game, a one-on-one, -on -one, but he's far from perfect. It's well known that he smoked cigarettes and he was able to break this incredibly unhealthy habit with the help of his wife, his daughters, and an enormous amount of nicotine chewing gum. He transcends the professionally beautiful, looking and being healthy are not just part of his job description, but something he tried to bring our nation. I'm talking about the 60-year-old super cool dude, number 44, AKA President Barack Hussein Obama. A wellness quote from the former occupier of the Oval Office, you have to exercise or at some point you'll just break down. Simple words from a very intelligent man. He understands the importance of the physical environment and the need for us to consciously address our expenditure of too little energy in our day-to-day -day activities. He also understands the consequences because without adequate activity, health consequences can ensue. By addressing our food environment simultaneously, we give ourselves the best chance of avoiding or reversing obesity and poor health. So remember that being sexy ain't easy. This is Sean Fit 50. As always, it's been my pleasure. Look me up and follow me on Instagram again at S-E-A-N-F-I-T-5-0. Thank you. And I'm out.